Episode 8 of Bomber Brothers is here. Sean and Ryan with you. Flying solo this week. No guests, but that just means more of us talking and likely complaining about how the Yankees have been playing. Sean, aside from uh, that lackluster series with Oakland, how's everything? Well, I mean, we could have a guest force communicate with us since this is episode 8, even though we've never done that before. (laughs) I think this is the last Star Wars joke we'll get to make. Yeah, because once we get to episode nine, that's uncharted territory, at least for the next, what, year and three months or something like that. Yeah, we're going to have to wait to, to see. But yeah, things in Yankee land are not good. I uh, I woke up this morning and started seeing what happened last night, and it was not a uh, not a fun experience. No, I, I, for someone who works night, primarily nights, I usually enjoy the West Coast swings because you get to come home from work and you get a whole game to watch. And to be honest, I couldn't even pull myself through that whole game last night. It was, it was frustrating, um, especially after what seemed like a huge win the night before where the offense was completely asleep for most of the game. And then thanks to you know Luke Voigt, who seems to be one of the only current bright spots on the Yankees right now after he sparks a late offensive rally with his seventh home run in 12 games then you you know then you come into the series finale trying to take a series from a team that you're very likely going to be playing in a winner-take-all situation to stay alive in the playoffs and they just come out and immediately in that first inning that I think that first inning might I think that might be the ugliest half inning that we've seen out of the Yankees this year and I, I think what gets lost, too, is if you take the first inning in its totality, you have the bases loaded in the top of the inning. You don't score. Okay, that that happens. And then the bottom half happens with Severino and, uh, and Sanchez. Yeah, and that's a good place to start with those two right there. This is, um, as Mark Carrig wrote in The Athletic this morning, talking about the you know sudden dysfunction of that battery, which was supposed to be the Yankees battery of the future you have the ace in Severino and an all-star catcher and Gary Sanchez and, and of course they very well could still be but just right now those are two guys that are struggling badly you know there's been plenty of criticisms of Sanchez defense in the past and it definitely looks like he, he lost a lot of weight while he was rehabbing that groin but definitely did not seem like there was much improved in terms of his defense yesterday with some of those pass balls and and Severino said after the game that they had switched the signs the day before so they got crossed up on on a couple signs you know whatever but even if you're crossed up a lot of those are are fastballs that that didn't even touch the ground that Sanchez couldn't keep in front of him yeah and and what to to stay on Sanchez what what was so disappointing was he had that great uh well maybe great but he had a very good game uh his first game back catching Tanaka who we know is no picnic to catch but on Saturday against the Tigers uh was fantastic I mean in that seventh inning he blocked blocked a bunch of balls in the dirt and um and yeah then then last night just on basic but he said after the game you know I need to be catching those they hit my glove I don't know what happened and it definitely seemed like him and Tanaka you know speaking of the future of the battery in the dugout there was some just watching on replay definitely some animosity there but after the game you know um, I'm sorry him and Severino after the game Severino did say you know I have to be able to move on from that he's trying his best and and everything like that so um, Sanchez's return from the from the DL hasn't hasn't really brought about much change He's hitting into a lot of bad luck. I think his soft contact percentage is zero. Um, yeah, right yeah. Now, I'm looking yeah. at fan graphs. He's hit the ball hard a bunch of times. 
flew out to the warning track in his first game back and not just like a you know a high fly ball it was it was a liner to the warning track and he looked really good catching and then he seemed to have in the last couple of days uh gone back to missing very catchable balls behind the plate yeah no i i agree that um not too much should be read into his early offensive numbers i mean he did hit a home run last night a, a mammoth home run and then the night before like you said hitting into some bad luck he hit I think 113 mile per hour ground ball to right to shortstop, uh, which ended up in, in a double play when the Yankees were struggling to score some runs. But you know, back to the defense. That's that's definitely something that needs to improve. And like you said, it looks like it had improved when he when he first got back. And I guess some hiccups can be expected, but I don't think that great great of a hiccup. I mean, that one inning basically derailed the entire game. And and I think what's a little you know concerning is that this isn't the first time we've seen this miscommunication and and like you said maybe even a little bit of animosity between Severino and Sanchez you think back to the Tampa Bay series when Sanchez went back on the DL uh the game when he uh failed to run out that uh ground ball that Hicks beat out at second base to end the game earlier in that game in the first inning a ball bounced away from him he you know kind of gingerly went after it up the third baseline a run scored and then they showed Severino and Sanchez having you know a little bit of a, a heated discussion in the dugout after so you know I, I was saying on this podcast the past couple weeks that maybe Severino's struggles was because he needed you know his usual battery made Sanchez back behind the plate and that's looking like it was uh, worthy of a freezing cold take because that has not solved anything. I- I thought of you a couple times this morning when, when I was reading through what happened in the game for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it's not, it's not good. And, and like, make no mistake. I'm still, I'm still a believer in Gary Sanchez as the catcher of the future. Um, an unnamed fan texted me this morning and said that last night gave new meaning to release the Kraken. So I don't think Gary Sanchez oh, should geez. be released. <laughs> um, but um I actually texted the person. I said, are you serious? You want to really say, no, no, no. So that's a more freezing cold take than what I said about Severino needing Sanchez back. I would have, I would have said, put him at first base, but we have Babe Ruth over there right now. (laughs) Um, But no, I, I, you know, I still say stick with Sanchez. The the thing is you see, he kind of goes through these spurts where he, he definitely shows that dedication and that drive, you know, he came back in tremendous shape and he showed up into spring training this year in great shape. I mean, he definitely put on a little bit of weight as the season went on, but he showed up in phenomenal shape. Um, and, and then you have these kind of these lapses that occur. So I think they have to get to the bottom of that. It's something that, interestingly enough, when it was when Girardi attempted to address it last year and kind of nip it in the bud, I, I think that was the nail in Girardi's managerial coffin with the Yankees. And now that's kind of like, I don't want to compare it to Odell Beckham because it's apples and oranges with what Odell did. But, you know, it's like you let one thing go. You like with Odell, it was they would let one antic go and then another and then another. And then all of a sudden they're getting penalties on the kickoff. He's getting suspended and things like that. But with with Sanchez, it's like they kind of look the other way on this and that. And, and they almost kind of make excuses for him. And I'm not saying that that's not part that's, you know, and that's, that's part of becoming a big leaguer is it's, it's learning from your mistakes and being held accountable. And I feel like he hasn't gotten that this season. And then he, he continues to have those lapses because after he sat last season against Cleveland, he played much better behind the plate. He had one playoff game 
except except for the, the the dropped ball on the throw from the outfield in Houston, the game one against the Indians, he did not play well in when he caught Sonny Gray. Other than that, he was fine throughout the postseason. Yeah, I mean, he, was, he, caught, he, he caught Tanaka great. I mean, he you know he blocked a bunch of tough balls. He was really good after that after that Cleveland series in in August when he wound up getting benched. And then this year he hasn't had that kind of um, that kind of disciplining from from management, and he just he hasn't shown any improvement. Yeah, I, th- I think there needs to be some kind of happy medium. Like you said, I definitely agree that whatever went on with uh, Girardi and Sanchez last year was probably one of the main culprits that you know ended up him not being offered the job again and then you you have a guy like Boone who like uh Ken Davidoff said is just a a little too positive sometimes to the point of minor annoyance so there just needs to be that happy medium And, and again you know I should also say I have no idea what goes on behind closed doors with Boone maybe he is you know trying you know digging into Sanchez a little and, and trying to be a little more assertive with him but there needs to be that happy medium of of, of at least you know pointing out that these things need to be addressed and, and taken care of because you know you get into a wild card game and one half inning like that happens and you know sudden, the season. It, exactly and, and, and you know to be fair we've also seen the Yankees overcome a disastrous half inning that involved Luis Severino in the wild card game last year but that Twins bullpen and Irvin Santana is a lot different from what they'd potentially be facing in the A's bullpen, which has been one of the best in the league, even though the Yankees did get to them a little bit on Tuesday. But that's uh, that was definitely a concerning series when you look at some things that happened and just the fact that, you know, going, you know, bringing it to Severino now, Sanchez deserves plenty of blame for his lackluster performance behind the plate, but Severino also had, I think, five straight balls hit 100 or more miles an hour off of him last night. He was getting squared up, and he was getting knocked around for things that had nothing to do with Sanchez. He just simply wasn't pitching well, and it's frustrating because you look at his last three stars before that, and you know the bite on his slider was getting a little deeper in terms of vertical movement according to fan graphs the velocity was there the strikeouts were up again he had 10 strikeouts i think in his last start before oakland and that now he just takes what seems like a huge step back and you know the yankees need severino to be that ace or they're not going to go far and now you know they have a a pretty big problem to figure out in terms of who the face of this pitching staff is severino has not been good um even when he was it looked like he was starting to turn that corner i think and we did bring it up with with jack last week he didn't do it against a a quality opponent and this was his first test and he failed miserably and i i mean if you look at his numbers i i mean his home run to fly ball ratio is almost it's 19.2 percent in the last month that's almost 20 percent one out of every five fly balls is leaving the ballpark i i mean this again it goes back to negligence by Yankee management. This guy needed a break. It was obvious we were all saying it. We've been we were saying it right before the All Star break. Yeah, he pitched 193 innings last year, and he's on pace for that again. And that's coming from a young arm who's not used to that many innings. So uh, yeah, a break probably would have helped. And he he got I think seven days off in between uh, two starts in recent weeks. But you know that's that's just not enough. That's, two extra days from what you're normally getting because usually you have five days rest because you have the built off days and, and everything that's it's not enough I, he needs to be skipped and now we're at the point it may be too late 
yeah, it, it's 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 going to be tough to rest him now. You, you know, there's uh, only there's less than a month left in the season. Your rotation consists of guys like Lance Lynn, who, after a solid first couple outings in pinstripes, has now been getting knocked around a little bit. He his ERA with the Yankees is now above five, right around where it was uh, with the Twins. And well, where's the best pitcher in baseball? The self-proclaimed Sonny Gray. <laughs> oh, one of the best. One of the best. Excuse me. Yeah, I don't know if I. I don't know if I trust him to take Severino's spot in the rotation. But honestly, at, at this point, is it that much different? Is Sonny Gray that much different than than Severino right now? If 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 Severino's going to be you know posting outings like that, and you want to get him a break, I don't know. It's 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 tough. Boone's in a, in a tricky spot now because Severino didn't get that rest earlier in the season. You you don't want to lean. You know heavily on Sabathia who just came back from getting his knee drained again and, and he didn't look that great in his last start and or the uh, start before that yeah so he sever, you know Sabathia looked pretty good in his you know starts leading up to the last two but those haven't been great he hasn't looked like the Sabathia of the rest of this year and then Lance Lynn's been struggling Sonny Gray has been pretty terrible all year so you know the alternatives to Severino are not that great and their other guys in the rotation need rest too so they're they're in a tricky spot to get Severino right before the playoffs well Sonny Gray has a 496 ERA on the year and his last 30 in the last 30 day 30 games his last 30 innings pitched Severino has a 56 how shitty is that that Sonny Gray is an improvement <laughs> over Luis Severino? It's definitely not something I thought I would say this year, but I also didn't think I'd say that the most exciting hitter to watch right now is Luke Voigt. I love that guy. It's It's been a weird, weird year. I so, so before we talk about how weird this year is, what would you do with Sonny Gray? If, if you had ultimate power over the Yankee organization, what do you do with Severino? I feel like I want him to miss a start. I want him to, you know, maybe take a couple extra days of rest and a couple extra bullpen days to see if there's something mechanical that that can be worked out. It doesn't look like anything's different except that just his pitches don't seem to have the same amount of bite that they usually do. Again, based on the numbers, it looked like he was getting there over his last three starts leading up until last night, and then he took a huge step back. So if there's some point in the next month where you – can give Severino a day off and maybe give Sonny Gray the ball in a road start because Sonny Gray's been way better on the road this year than he has been at home and, and maybe get him a road start against a team like, I don't know, in a series against a team like the Twins or something like that. I, I would try to get that done. I think they play the Twins next week and Severino yep. is scheduled to start one of those. So maybe even just get it over with now against a team like the Twins who the Yankees seem to beat no matter who they pitch. So yeah, I'm I'm up for giving Severino a start off. I think it should have happened a month ago. I I 100% agree. They could actually throw him in Minnesota and then skip him because they have two off days built in around that Blue Jay series next weekend. They could skip him without having to go to Sunny Gray, but then that then you have that Boston series coming up. So what I would do is he's next scheduled to pitch on the 11th. I would skip. I would skip him on the eleventh. Start Sonny Gray, and then go with the rest of your rotation. Because you know what, the Twins stink. Yankees own the Twins. If Sonny Gray can't beat the Twins, we could just whatever. I mean, who cares at that point? And then, and then you come back, and you have 
arrested Severino coming back to face the Red Sox. And that'll be that'll be the test. And that then we'll you know, then we'll know if the rest helped or if it didn't. I mean, I know it's not that simple, but um, at that point, you have no more excuses. He can work. He can work with Ross Child to get things get things fixed and, and, and see where we are. And then if he pitches great and pitches great after that, we know who we're going with in the wild card game. If not, we'll look for other alternatives. But I, w- I would definitely skip him in Minnesota this week. Uh, I, I think that's a nice landing spot for Sonny Gray to go pitch at Minnesota where, you know, Yankees should win anyway. And that, but the Yankees should have won all last week and they went three and four against two shitty teams. That was exactly what I was about to transfer to is just how disappointing it is to think about like you said Severino against the Red Sox could be a test and my first reaction is yeah that's probably a good idea because honestly that Yankee Red Sox game is probably not as meaningful as it felt like it was going to be last week and it's just frustrating to think that you know the Red Sox kind of had their hiccup over the past couple weeks they they won an insane comeback win yesterday but you know, yeah. they, they were struggling a little bit before that, and the Yankees had a chance to continue to bite away at that lead and make up some ground, but they go three and four against the White Sox and the Tigers at home, and then they drop two of three in this Oakland series. So the Yankees, you know, squandered some opportunities to make up more ground in the division before their reinforcements and, you know, Gregorius and, and Judge come back. So now, especially after yesterday with the ugly way the Yankees lost and that just ridiculous comeback win by the Red Sox it it just kind of feels like that those games are are not going to carry the same meeting and that we are kind of set on on the wild card right now and just making sure that that the Yankees are still going to be hosting that wild card game that's up that's up for grabs too the Yankees if they had went six and one like Jack Curry had said by the way they'd have control of their own destiny now because they'd only be six back yeah, with six left to play against Boston, but instead it's now nine and a half, I believe. Yeah, it's yeah, it's nine. Yeah, and a half. so the division's over. That's out of reach. So you know you can give Severino a night off and maybe try to throw him in that in that Boston series. But you know we'll we'll see we'll see what Aaron Boone wants to do. It, it seems like he's gonna just stick with Severino and see if he can work it out on the fly, which might not be the the best idea. But you know. Boone is uh, one of the many reasons why this year definitely seems to have a different feel to it than last year because, you know, for better or worse, Boone has gotten a ton of, of criticism. I think a lot of it's unwarranted and some of it is just, you know, specifically sticking with his starting pitching too long, maybe being a little too overly positive um, in terms of places where the team is struggling right now. But, you know, we were going to... Uh, I think Boone gave that catching lesson Friday night to the wrong person. <laughs> Should have been showing Gary how to catch the ball. I just <laughs> thought about that. Yeah, that's funny. I, I wish we were able to record uh, after that happened because that was uh, that was that was a gr- that was a great game too. Yeah, it was a it was a great win for the Yankees, and it seemed like maybe that was something that was going to spark some life into them, but it just turned into a really sluggish homestand and another series loss here on the West Coast, and now they've got three games against the Mariners coming up. And and you started talking about. Boone and, and the season and even this season like the last two games they've won they didn't have a hit for five innings in both games I'm pretty well I don't know when Torres hit the home run on Saturday I was uh, entertaining my niece at the game so I wasn't paying too close attention to what <laughs> inning that the first the first hit came but I know they had at least went four innings I think without one um, 
so yeah, yeah. It's like even the last two wins, they've slept walk through these games, and and this season they just feel completely unprepared. The defense is awful. You have all these mental lapses. You have terrible decisions with the pitching staff. You just feel like it's all this talent, and it's just thrown up against the board and saying, "All right, let's see what happens. Like, let's not try to create a process around it or or have any structure." Now, I do feel like there is some kind of explanation for that, and you know. We have you hear so much in like Yankees universe among the fans, you know, play to kids, play the kids. We want to see the kids play. Well, the kids are playing right now. The infield has two rookies in it. Um, and then first base is a combination of Greg Bird or Luke Voigt, neither who have tremendous major league experience at this point. So, you know, the lackluster defense and, and the not being prepared. I mean, this is kind of a byproduct of a first year manager managing a whole bunch of rookies and young players. And I just think that. You know, while the team is obviously incredibly talented, that's also, you know, one of your what's, you know, I guess consequences of of playing a bunch of rookies that are, you know, learning their way on the fly. And given how most of those rookies are performing offensively, you, you can't take them out of the lineup. Yes. And that was a horrible miscalculation on Cashman's part for all the good that he's done. This manager paired with this team is an awful marriage. And, uh, my biggest fear is that they're not going to realize that until we've wasted maybe two or three years of our of our window of opportunity with this group. I'm just see, I, while I don't think Boone has done the best job, I just don't think that managers in baseball just have have that much power over how teams perform. I'm just not ready to say that guys like wait wait so you don't you don't think the management in tampa has anything look at the roster that tampa has and what they're getting out of their manager you think that has nothing you think that's just luck no i don't think it's luck i think managers have you know a play in it but i also saw joe madden win the world series in 2016 despite making a bunch of really bad moves and i i i just don't think that guys like aj hinch have that much of a factor in terms of you know the game outcome he just has a team that's loaded with talent that Pick, that made huge moves at the deadline last year, getting a guy like Verlander, and you know they rode it to a World Series. And again, of course, there's of course managers have a part in it, and Boone needs to have a shorter leash on his starting pitching and be a little bit better managing the bullpen. But I also I'm just not ready to say that it's you know a terrible marriage. I think he has r- room to learn, just like these rookies do. But something that A.J. Hinch always had was he always had authority over his team. And, and you saw that. I remember he released that one guy after he hit a batter on purpose. And not that the Yankees are doing crap like that, but, I mean, he always had authority over his team. And it's they, they don't play the, – they play aggressively, but they don't play sloppy. The Yankees play sloppy. And, and I think that that comes to lack of accountability from the manager. I, I agree. There's only so many decisions in a game that he's going to affect – you can win the World Series with a terrible, terrible strategic manager. We, you know, we've seen that, but it's it's the it's the lack of fundamentals that that are concerning, and we'll see. I mean, we'll you know, Didi could come back and Torres will uh, go back to second base where he wasn't even great anyway. Andrew Hart's been a disaster at third base, but his bat is incredible. You just got to hope that that they work on these things, and I just don't have the confidence to believe that their manager is is impressing that upon them no i i definitely think that my confidence in a deep playoff run for this team has kind of wavered a lot of that has to do with some injuries they've suffered because i also think with a full season of you know sanchez dd judge i also think that maybe things look a a little different but Mm -hmm. 
also, again, let's just go back to how this season has such a different feeling than last season. This, this team still has, I th- are they still tied with the Astros for the second best record in baseball or maybe the third best record in baseball now by a game or two? And it's just interesting that, you know, how much gloom is hovering over this team, largely in part, parts of how they've been playing lately, which is definitely warranted. But, you know, this is still a team where if, let's say, Let's say the Red Sox weren't having this historic season and winning every game they play. I, I I think people are looking at this season through a very different lens, but they just see the deficit in the standings and how they've been playing lately and, and, and think it's all over. But again, it, ju- it just takes that one win in the wild card game. And, and then the Yankees have shown this season that they can you know beat any of the best teams in baseball in, in a series. So I still think there's plenty of time left to write this ship and, and, and get it done. But I also I also would have to say that the um, you know upstart positive vibe from last year, which came with that you know surprising postseason run, has definitely been weighed down by expectations this year. Well, that's the thing. This team does have expectations. You know, the team arrived a year ahead of schedule, but this this was always supposed to be the year anyway. And then they go out and get Giancarlo Stan, and they make a bunch of moves at the deadline to win. Now they didn't they didn't get guys they're going to have control over for multiple years. They got Jay Happ, they got. Lance Lynn and they, they, you know McCutcheon and and Britain, which hasn't really been great, but they got a team to win win now. And I think part of the positivity last year, heading into the playoffs, was that they they were amazing last September. I mean, they almost caught they, they came they cut I think the they I think they cut it to one game at one point in September against the Red Sox. I know I think they finished two back. Yeah, they went twenty one um, and four in September. I think some. So you go ridiculous. into that playoff feeling feeling great, and you just I don't see that coming anywhere. You know, out of anywhere, and, and we're already a week in, and and they. The Yankees have four guys with OPSs over 700. I mean, that's it. You have Andujar, Hicks, Torres, and Voigt. Everybody else is – Austin Roman has a 681 OPS. That's that's the fifth best OPS on the Yankees in the last 30 days. That's not what you want. That's, that's not what you want. <laughs> you know what's interesting, though? I'm looking through the numbers. Greg Bird has the highest hard contact rate on the Yankees in the last month. He was catching some bad luck recently. Yeah, part part of it is how (laughs) part of it is how amazing Voight's been hitting. So he doesn't even have a chance to turn around some of that bad luck. But yeah, we've seen Bird (laughs) miss a grand slam by a couple feet. We've seen him rip some balls the opposite way that were caught. So you know he. But again, just the way Voight's hitting right now, you're you're not going to see Bird, and I can't say that's a bad thing. Voight's triple slash is three fifty six, four twenty eight twenty two. That's that's insane. That's absurd, and he's he's fun to watch. He clearly has fun out there, and he shows emotion. And you know, seven home runs in in his first twelve games. It's pretty incredible, and that's what the Yankees need right now. When with guys like Didi and Judge still hurt, they need that lightning in a bottle. The only problem is they're really only getting it from Voit, and you know, Hicks has been productive, and and of course, and, and Duhar. Uh, Torres has been turning, Torres has been good. Yeah, Torres has been turning it around, but. You know, that leads us to Giancarlo Stanton, who was just so reliable when Judge first got hurt. But over the past couple of weeks, you've seen those strikeouts start to climb again. I think he had something like 24 strikeouts in, in, in his last, you know, 15 or, or so games. and 36% strikeout rate the last month. 36% yeah. with a 120 average and a 240 OBP. And, and it's interesting because his his percentage of swings outside of the strike zone is almost exactly the same as it was over the past 
you know, month before this when he was tearing the cover off the ball when Judge first got hurt. So he's not chasing any more than normal. His 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 zone swing percentage inside in the strike zone has what's been way down. So I just maybe he's just trying to do too much. I mean, I've definitely seen him open up his whole body on his follow-throughs lately. It just looks like he's mm-hmm. trying to hit the ball into orbit, which you know, for a guy like Stanton, he can kind of do with just a flick of his wrist. So I don't think he needs to do too much, but it seems like he's trying to do a little too much right now. Maybe he got into some bad habits when he was trying to force home run number 300 out, which he eventually did get on a nice, kept his shoulder closed, opposite field home run, which is, you know, exactly what Stanton should be doing. But yeah, he's he's been uh, he's been slumping a little bit, and obviously it doesn't come at the best time. Yeah, that's it's it's been brutal to have him in this slump, and hopefully, maybe a day off here will get him some rest. But I mean, in his last fifty-eight plate appearances, he's got twenty-one strikeouts and only eight walks. I mean, that's you know, that's not it's not going to cut it, and I mean, only the one home run too, so. It's not good. No, he's definitely someone that needs to turn it around. And the Yankees. And an, all, go ahead, ahead. Sorry. The Yankees also just simply they need Judge back. He's their that that's the team's best hitter. And finally, some good news on him. He started swinging. He stood in against Tanaka to see some live pitching because, unfortunately, minor league seasons are in the playoffs now and basically over. So he can't exactly go on a rehab assignment. So. I think he should go play for the Rail Riders this Friday. That, that would be awesome. That would. Uh, who else? Who else is going to be playing with the Rail Riders this Friday, Ryan? Well, I'm not going to be playing, but uh, I'll be there covering the game for the for the Scranton Times for uh, filling in for our good friend DJ Eberly, who joined the podcast uh, last week. So, yeah, I would love to have Judge make a surprise appearance. Maybe land in center field on a plane, like in Space Jam, and they. Uh, that was still playing. Oh, what was it? Uh, some sort, some sort, some of, sort of ship or space ship. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, then that just have that happen, and I'll uh, I'll take I some pictures from the press box. <laughs> yeah, have Newman come out and introduce him. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's not going to well, happen. Speaking of, speaking of outfielders and, and, and sticking with slumps, I love this man, but Brett Gardner. Oh man, he's been his last fourteen games, thirteen strikeouts and three walks. You talk about pressing. 13 Ks and only three walks. He, he's he's pressing in the worst way. I thought maybe McCutcheon, getting McCutcheon over here would kind of light a little bit of a fire in him, but he's still, he looks terrible. Yeah, you know what? I, I think fatigue probably has something to do with it just because of the other injuries in the outfield like Judge and then, you know, those depth guys like Billy McKinney, he was traded away. Clint Frazier, concussions, not coming back this season. So you have a guy like Gardner, who's getting up there in age and you know Girardi made sure he gave Boone uh Boone uh gave Gardner time off last year maybe when they Girardi were wants to give Boone some time <laughs> off <laughs> maybe uh you know gave Gardner some time off when they were playing on turf just something to keep his legs fresh and then Gardner came up huge in the playoffs had that home run in the wild card game the, the big at bat in game five of the ALDS and I right now he just looks tired to me and and there's really nothing Boone could really do he he has to play him there's just nobody else out there maybe getting McCutcheon now you could get him a day off somewhere I yeah, don't know puts, but put Stanton and right and then I mean that that hamstring's supposed to be fine now right that it's supposed to be but he's also you know played 80 something straight games and a lot of it was on that 
bum hamstring, so I can't possibly see it being 100%. I don't know where in this recent schedule where he could have started feeling better on it. So it's a a tricky spot. The Yankees aren't playing well, and they also don't really have many areas where they can catch a quick breather. It's, you know... In a few weeks, the season's going to end, and then boom, there's a one-game playoff for your fighting for your your life, and uh, that's uh, it's a little scary to think about. Yeah, de- definitely. Um, speaking of the one-game playoff, who do you, who do you go with now? <laughs> I know we didn't ask it last week because we always ask it, but I think after Severino yesterday, I want to bring it up. Who who do you who do you go to because? We've seen Sabathia really struggle his last couple starts. Um, yeah. Hap was okay. It was it was not more than okay. It was very good uh, his last start, and then he was not so good the start before that. Well, Tanaka, he's been throwing the ball pretty well. What do you think? I think at this point, you know, I'm like checking names off my board and eliminating some. I think I'm down to Hap or Tanaka at this point. You just, I just can't trust Severino right now. You know, Sabathia, there's the age and the knee issue, and, and maybe he's running out of steam a little bit. But, he, you know, he's always good for a few innings in a postseason game in most of his career. I just don't know if I'm willing to risk that in a one-game playoff. I you know, Hap's had seven starts for the Yankees now. Six of them have been really good. His most recent one in Oakland against the most likely opponent in a wild card game, and he was absolutely phenomenal. So I think that's a huge plus on his side. So, you know, depending on how the two are looking, if, if the Yankees hold on and host the wild card game, I kind of like Hap in that situation. You know, Tanaka is prone to giving up some home runs. The A's have some guys that can hit a lot of home runs, especially uh-huh. guys like Chris Davis. That might not play very well in Yankee Stadium. And, you know, it, it, should the Yankees continue to, to fall and, and we wind up having to go all the way across the country for this one-game playoff, maybe give the ball to Tanaka in a, in a bit bigger of a stadium? I, I don't know. It, a lot of it, there's, you know, both of these guys are still going to have multiple starts leading up to the wild card game, and a lot can change. I think right now uh, I'm going I'm going Hap. Okay. I uh, I mean I'm I'm not going to disagree with you. I, I think it's still up still up in the air. I, I I'd lean towards Tanaka. I just I trust him more in a, in a big spot. Um, although somebody told me at work today that Tanaka was not a big game pitcher, and I almost had a. Who are you hanging out with? You got, you got guys saying release Sanchez and and uh, Tanaka's not a big game pitcher. Well, this this is what this guy <laughs> told me at work. Sorry to digress. He no, I said, uh, after after the Severino start yesterday, he, I saw oh, a tough game last night. I said, yeah. I said, I, I don't trust Severino. I wouldn't pitch him in the wild card game. Oh, he, he's, he's been good most of his career. He'll be fine. I said, yeah, but he stinks right now. He said, well, who would you throw? And I said, Tanaka. He said, well, Tanaka's not a big game pitcher. And I said, yeah, he is. And I gave him the, the, the stats for Tanaka in the postseason. Um Let's see, postseason, Tanaka. So Tanaka in the postseason has pitched. Damn you, baseball reference. Well, he's had, what, four starts in the postseason? He's had one, two, three, four starts, 25 innings pitched, and four earned runs. How do you not trust this man? He's got a 1.44 ERA, and you're going to say, yeah, he's not – a big game pitcher, a 1.4 in the postseason. This man is modern day El Duque. So then he says, so I, 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 
I, I think I had the innings and earned runs off the top of my head. I think I said 24 innings and, and four runs. I might have been off by an inning or two. So then he says, well, they should probably do a bullpen game because Tanaka's elbow can go at any time. I said, if Tanaka starts and his elbow goes out, then it's a bullpen game anyway. What the hell's the difference? So I, I, I had to stop the conversation. <laughs> This was, yeah. ter- this was a terrible stream of thought for the podcast. I apologize to the, the listeners. No, that. it's, it's if it, was any, a frus- it was a frustrating day, and it was a frustrating thought process. It's, you know, being a Yankee fan, it, it, it's almost doubly frustrating when they're not playing well because you deal with the fact that your team is not playing well and, and the fact that, you know, the Yankees have a lot of very reactionary fans that have kind of built this mindset over years of seeing them win all the time which was you know made for the most enjoyable childhood I could possibly imagine but also set some unfair expectations that I feel like I've been able to overcome and recognize just how rare that string of winning was but a lot of other fans haven't and they just see one minor hiccup from a team and think that the world's ended and that player sucks and Gary Sanchez should be released because you know forget about the two years previous where he was basically the best catcher in baseball but you know he's been struggling lately so let's release him so that you know these are things that you know Yankee fans have to deal with when you know conversing with other fans of the same team but who don't share the same I guess real you know realism it's a tough life it is a tough life but I mean you know I get all upset too when they lose because I think it's usually sometimes avoidable which is when i get upset but um but i I mean i understand like like people are reactionary but don't come don't come if you're if you want to talk baseball don't come to me with an argument that's based off of your gut feeling you back it up with some facts yeah Uh, he's not a big game pitcher well he has a 1.4 era he's better than andy pettit in the postseason so far in his career yeah said so far and you know you you bring up that scenario where you know god forbid you know, something happens to the wild card starting pitcher like Tanaka's elbow or something, and then it goes to to a bullpen game. And I think, you know, I just just thinking about that scenario kind of highlights for me how this season feels different from last season, at, at least right now. Because, you know, last year, even being at the game, you sit and you watch Severino get bombed in the first inning. But there was never really any panic, you know. First of all, they were playing the Twins, so something was bad. Was gonna, <laughs> something bad was going to happen for the Twins. But you knew, like, the, you know, the Yankees had played so well in September. The offense was going to get those runs back. You know, Judge had been unbelievable that month. So had Bird. Sanchez was having a great year. So you know, you knew that the offense was going to come out of that hole, and you also knew that you had guys like Chad Green, who had been unreal all year. Robertson had been great since coming over coming back to the Yankees at the trade deadline that year. Chapman was back to form. Chapman was unbelievable down the stretch last year and in, and in yeah. the playoffs. And those are just not trend. You know, the Yankees are kind of going in an opposite direction this year. Judge is hurt. Bird has been lost at the plate. San- you know, Sanchez you know, had the home run last night. He's been hitting the ball pretty hard since he got back. We'll, we'll see what happens with him. But before the injury, he had been having, you know, a, a really long slump at the plate. And then you look at the bullpen, and, and, and Robertson has been very good since since Chapman got hurt. Before that, he yeah. was struggling a little mm-hmm. bit, but you know, hopefully he's turning a corner. But Chapman's hurt. He might be lost for the year, for all we know. Canely is a shell of himself, and Chad Green has been struggling to find the consistency he had last year. So, you know, a lot of things that made you feel good in that wild card game last year are not exactly, you know, 
status quo this year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you figure let, – let's say that they have a starter go four innings. Not a worst-case scenario, but not a good scenario. You know you're going to have to use Britain in that game. And I think Britain's going to walk a run in, I mean, the way he's been pitching. Chad Green's been giving up homers left and right. Robertson and Batances, that's pretty much it that I trust right now. Yeah, it's, it's and, tough. Uh, and, and they keep saying Chapman might not be back. I mean, you know he threw a flat, flat ground, but they reinforced that he might not come back, even though he threw a flat ground today or yesterday. Yeah, that that's scary. I think uh, aside from aside from the offense and, and the ability to hit home runs, the Yankees, you know, main source of strength was that deep bullpen, and and they're still among the league's best just because of how deep that bullpen is. But it's you know losing some of its depth with with Canely struggling and and with Chapman being hurt. So it's um, you know suddenly that weapon that is so we've seen how vital bullpens are in the playoffs. I mean that was one of the main reasons the Yankees made it as far as they did last year. It was the reason Cleveland made it as far as they did in 2016. Bullpens are hugely important and uh, if that bullpen's not you know performing to the best of its ability like it was down the stretch last year then then yeah, the Yankees are going to be in some trouble against a team like the A's who are kind of in a position where the Yankees were last year unexpectedly really good a prolific home run hitter in Chris Davis kind of you know he's obviously not a rookie but he was he's kind of taking the place of that judge did with the Yankees last year hitting all those home runs so Davis I think leads the league in home runs right now so you know they have a a very similar DNA and, and feel to them that the Yankees had last year. So they don't have the Yankees bullpen though. They have a, uh, but they do have a deep they, bullpen. They have, they have a good bullpen, but not, you know, I'll take Fernando Rodney in a playoff game. Oh, absolutely. But they also have a bunch of other arms they can throw. Yeah. Oh, you know, actually I would also face familia in a playoff game. I, I yeah, feel pretty good about that. I mean, you know, Blake, the witch Trinan is uh, not to be not to be trifled with. But. No, he's been great. But another problem is, you know, relievers like like Familia and um, Rodney, they get into trouble. But the Yankees just haven't been making pitchers pay for it lately. You know, they got a couple runs against them on Tuesday night. But as you mentioned, they load the bases in the first inning yesterday they don't score any runs there's been a lot of failures with runners in scoring position lately a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're just shorthanded on offense right now but a lot of players are also just not getting it done in big spots like brett gardner yep so to wrap it up give us a couple positives what do you what do you think in the next week before we podcast again what what do you what do you think could go right for the yankees this week that has us feeling a little bit better because this was kind of a downer episode and i feel like we've had a lot of downer episodes well it's the yankees have been playing close to 500 ball pretty much ever since we started this podcast seven weeks ago so well, they've been playing 500 ball except for that one stretch <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so, no ahead. but it, you know it, again big picture the yankees have a top three record in baseball they're more than likely going to be in the playoffs again and it's it's just about getting there and and i think in the next week we'll have you'll see Didi gregorius come back which will be huge for the offense and huge for the defense as well because even though hechevaria has been great in his absence you know Didi's kind of the anchor of that infield and they really need him defensively especially with a ground ball heavy pitching staff like the yankees have so you know gregorius looks like he's going to be activated tomorrow night which will be friday to start that Seattle series and then you know hopefully by next week we hear that Judge took some live BP and that he'll be coming back soon 
I don't see Stanton's um, slump continuing much longer. We saw him break out of a far bigger slump earlier in the year, so I'm not too worried about him. the The only slumping player that I'm that I'm concerned about is, is probably Gardner because I think he's suffering from some fatigue, but. You know, with some more reps in the batter's box, I think we'll see Sanchez playing better. And then the biggest positive that I take away from the next coming week is that I see the Twins lurking in the schedule. <laughs> that yeah, that that's always a good one. I'm gonna make a bold prediction for this week. This is what's gonna happen. They're gonna they're gonna give they might give Stanton a day off on. I oh know what they're facing a they're facing a lefty tomorrow, right? I think they're facing uh, what's his face. Anyway, they're gonna face a righty. They're going to give Stanton a day off, and they're going to DH Voight, and they're going to play Bird at first, and Bird's going to have a big game, and Bird's going to get hot, Dee's going to come back hot, and Gary's going to get hot, and you're going to have the three of them leading the charge back and kind of getting things righted, and then after Stanton's day off, he's going to, he's going to, go, he's going to be healthy and, and going off again. So I, th- I think a couple guys are about to wake up is, is what I'm trying to say because it's been too long. These guys are good hitters. A lot of the hard contact rate is there, so I think you're going to see a couple of guys break out. I hope so, and it'll start tomorrow against James Paxton, the lefty name you were searching yeah, for. Yeah, sorry, I just blanked, and I spent enough of this podcast th- trying to th- remember things, so I figured <laughs> I'll just move on and be uninformed. Well, no, it is Paxton, so that's that's a big series coming up against the Mariners, who, who've been struggling a little bit of late. This they is got like, into a fight yesterday. Yeah, so let's hope nothing like that happens in, in the Yankee clubhouse. I think it was, what, D. Gordon and uh, Segura? Was it them two who went after each other? I know D. Gordon told the reporters to get out of the clubhouse <laughs> before it started, so he, he planned it like uh, Squint's pit- kissing Wendy Peppercorn. He planned it. Been planning it for years. Yeah, but apparently one of the writers said that stuff like that happens all the time. There was uh, a gonna... fight in the broadcast booth involving the Tigers radio announcers the other day. Oh, careful. <laughs> I was, I was going to quote uh, Waterboy, but I started laughing. Well, hopefully you don't get into any fights covering the Rail Riders this Friday and Saturday night if necessary. What's the series at right now? It's 1-0. The Rail Riders, uh, well, they play a game two tonight, but the Rail Riders won on a walk-off home run last night. Nice. Who hit it? Um, oh, man, I seem like a terrible fill-in reporter. I can't remember his name. All right, just cut that from the podcast. <laughs> All right, well, that's cool that they won on a walk-off last night, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's cool. Congrats on getting that gig. We got a big weekend. Yankees are in Seattle. You're covering the Rail Riders Friday and Saturday. And then we got our amateur baseball championship game on Sunday morning. Quick, what's your prediction for that? It was Mark Payton that hit the walk-off home run, wrapped, okay. it, around, wrapped it around the uh, right field foul pole. But um, prediction for the du- Ducks, and we're playing the Mud Dogs, right? Um, the, yeah, the Bobby Boucher's Mud Dogs. <laughs> well, there will be no, uh, there'll be no miracle second half comeback like Bobby Boucher and the Mud Dogs pulled off in, in the water, boy. It's, uh, uh, it's uh, gonna be, it's gonna be an eight-five Ducks win. Oh, Jordan's going to be pissed that you think he's going to give up five runs. Only only two of them are going to be earned, and Jordan's going to be really mad most of the game. Our, our uh, animated pitcher, who who would have an awful time pitching for the Yankees right now, pretty dealing with Andujar at third base. But um, but no, Ducks will come out on top, and, and we'll be champs when we uh, record next week. Sounds, sounds like a good plan to me. I love it. 
All right. Well, we'll see everybody next week. Thanks for hanging in with us and hopefully some more positive vibes next week. And we will have a guest next week. And we're excited to reveal him to you uh, when we record next week. And uh, Sean, I'll see you then. All will be revealed in due time. See you later. All right.